Welcome to Meraki Mentors, a podcast featuring women who create. We interview creatives from every field and around the globe to discuss art, risk-taking, and what it means to live a creative life. Here's your host, Candace Howes. All right, welcome back to Meraki Mentors. I am super excited to introduce our guest today, who is an incredibly talented artist um, based out of California, and she has a lot of really cool projects and just tips to share with us today. So I would love to introduce you all to Sarah Stiber, and thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Candice, for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So before we get started, um, obviously you are a visual artist, um, but I would love for you to just kind of like give us a little elevator pitch of um, what you do and kind of what your um, inspiration and kind of like your main focus is in your artwork. Absolutely. So I am, like you said, I'm a visual artist, um, but lately I've been expanding into a lot of different mediums. So I am primarily an acrylic painter, um, but I also paint large scale murals. I also recently started creating paintings out of tape and resin, so mixed media artist. And um, I'm working on developing my jewelry line. So I'm now also a jewelry artist. That is so, so exciting. I love when people, like, even though if you have your specialty, I just love when people are experimenting and branching out um, because I think that's so important because we see the world and, like, we express ourselves in more than one way. So I think it's awesome that you're doing that. Absolutely. I was just talking to a great artist friend of mine, Mishim, yesterday, and we were talking about um, when an artist branches out into different mediums, and you would think that it would look like a completely different thing, but when you look at my tape paintings versus my acrylic paintings, you can hardly tell that they're any different. It's like, it's still the same signature. It's just a different way to get excited about the process and to add a little more umph and a little more excitement. But yeah, it all definitely shares the same visual language, which is so exciting to explore. I'm like, how far can I take this? (laughs) So, um, so I think we can start. And I know that, um, a lot of people say like start from the beginning in a sense but I know that you've been doing art since you were young um you had an opportunity to go to Italy when you were in high school and then again in college um so when did you kind of first know that you wanted to be an artist like did you always know this or was it something you kind of fell into as you were studying it yeah, I would. I have like a very distinct memory of being a baby girl, like two years old on a play school easel painting a rainbow and thinking like, I'm going to be an artist when I grow up. <laughs> um, and I was forever in school. Like I was actually a really shy kid and I just drew. I always got in trouble for drawing like on all of my essays, on all my homework assignments. <laughs> Um, I, you couldn't get me to stop drawing. So it was something that came really naturally to me, to me as a little girl. And then of course, throughout my process of discovering that I actually wanted to pursue art, there was a lot of doubt of like, well, that's not a career. What do you like, what are you really going to do? What are you really going to do, Sarah? But, um, yeah, I said, I'm doing it. (laughs) Did you personally have anyone that you kind of looked up to that you felt was like in those moments of doubt was a good example of like, yeah, this is totally viable. Or were you just kind of forging your own path? Mm, That's a great question. Yeah. I think when I was younger, I didn't really know anyone who was pursuing art as a career, but my mom was always so incredible 
incredibly supportive of me. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't a visual artist, but she just has was so practical and supportive. So she always made me feel like, oh yeah, yeah, of course Sarah, Sarah's going to be an artist. Like that's always what she was meant to be. Like there's no doubt in my mind. So whenever I had those doubts, she would always say, Sarah, what, what else are you going to do? Like, of course you're going to be an artist. So her um, encouragement always really propelled me forward. And it wasn't until I got more into my art career as an adult that I started having um, mentors to look to for like, oh, okay, so this is how you can be a gallery artist. This is how you can be an entrepreneurial artist. And I sort of started to sift through how I wanted to develop my path in my later years, like looking towards um, mentors and examples. But when I was younger, it was really just my mom being like, rah, rah, you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Moms are like the best cheerleaders, hands down. So that's so awesome. I'm so lucky to have her. (laughs) So when you kind of fast forward and you are in Italy for the first time, what was that experience like? Like, do you see that as a moment that you felt was kind of like defining to you and determining like how your art was going to develop or um, what was like that impact? Yeah, you know, it, it definitely did feel like a kind of a transformative moment for me for a few reasons. I think when I went to Italy, you know, I was a junior in high school. And when you're, at least for me, like being a girl in high school, I was all about my friendships. Like, you yeah. remember that? Like, your yes. friends are everything to you. And exactly. <laughs> And it was the first time that I was really um, kind of on my own, you know, I'm like in this foreign country, I'm with a program, I went with a program, it was called, I think, Abbey Road's Study Abroad Art Program, Um, but I didn't really click with any of the, the people there, and so it really gave me an opportunity to look more internally and Mm -hmm. allow my art to be the thing that like soothed me and kept me company. And um, I really was able to just delve into and focus it. And I was like, you know, this little kid at the Uffizi Museum in Italy, like painting from the David, like live, you know, it was was an incredible experience. And my teacher there, his name's Noah Buchanan, um, he really saw something in me. And sat me down one day during the program and was like, Sarah, you need to pursue art in college. Like you have something, you need to follow it. And I was just at that age where I was trying to figure out what to do as my next step. So I really give him credit for propelling me forward. And I give that time of sort of like isolation and focus um, a lot of props for getting me to my next step. Um, So actually from there, I think I came home and was like, all right, well, we'll try this art thing, even though it's completely impractical. And I applied to Boston University and got in. And actually, the other, I reconnected with that art teacher. Um, oh years and years, he found me on the magical internet <laughs> and reached out. I was like, oh my God, I think you may have changed my life. <laughs> So a few years ago, my boyfriend and I went on a road trip up the California coast. He had us over to his art studio in Santa Cruz. And uh, it was a really incredible experience. Like, you know, I saw pictures. I was like, oh, you were a child. Like he was what, like 20 to 24 then? Um, But yeah, it was was really cool full circle moment. And that really, um, I think, impacted me moving forward. That's so amazing. Um, And I, I love when you can like, come back like you said full circle to something that you know happened at the beginning and be able to like see your growth and like the people who actually 
had a say in like getting you where you are today. That's so awesome. I know. It's amazing. It's like the world is just, it's so small, especially with the internet. And I feel like if you stick with something long enough, like it's all going to come back around, right? Yeah. It's so awesome. So I, um, and anyone listening, like you'll be able to see it as well. Like the one thing that stands out to me about your work is like color. Um, And I've always loved, like, bright colors and stuff, so that's so exciting to me. Um, So I would love to know just, like, you know, the way that you incorporate your color. You know, you use a lot of things, whether it's, like, exaggerated colors in your work, even using, like, colored lights and things on models when you're taking, like, your source photos and stuff. So was that something that you just kind of, like, fell upon? Was it, like, an intentional decision that you made? Like, how did you, how were you able to have, like, the confidence to use that kind of style? Yeah, um, well, I've always been, I think, okay, I've always been obsessed with color. That came really naturally and was not um, an intentional decision really at all. But I've also always been really interested in psychology. And I know these seem unrelated, but bear with me. <laughs> so for all those moments when I was growing up and people were like, what are you really going to do? I thought I was going to be a therapist because I yeah. basically was a therapist for all my friends who didn't get paid for it. So I was like, hey, maybe I'm good at that. I could listen and talk. Um, so that kind of led me. And then all of the paintings that I make, I'm a figurative artist. I only paint people, right? Because I'm very interested in people and the human condition, how we relate to our environments. And um, actually, when I went to Italy again, so that was, we were talking about my experience going to Italy in high school. When I went to college at Boston University, I had an opportunity to go to Italy again um, and study abroad in Venice, Italy this time. And I was painting people, painting people, and really trying to figure out how to, like, paint the form so that it looked really synthetic, but also really realistic. Because having, like, moved around and had all these experiences coming from San Diego to Italy to Boston, it's like, it's almost like people are wearing this interesting social armor where they're their social environments are reflecting off of them. Like the people in Boston, they're all wearing like their North Face jackets. The people in Italy, they had like shiny earrings and slick back hair. It's like very aesthetically varied depending on where you were. And I'm like aesthetically obsessed. I was really fascinated with like, wow, like how much do our environments that we're in reflect on us? And then Mm -hmm. how does that impact who we are as people, how we perceive ourselves, how we look to others, how we perceive others. And I thought like, would be such a dope concept to explore how do I do that and I had this idea like if I could shine colored lights on a person it would be a really cool way to like as a metaphor to show like this is this could be like a metaphor for society shining on somebody or for a different wild plasticky weird environment to shine on a person and reflect off of them determine how they look make them look kind of synthetic but also make them look very realistic um, so when I, I was in Oakland a couple months before I went to Italy for the second time and I went into this craft store and they had these colored films, you know, that you like put over a, um, a light to like for, I don't know, like they're like just colored plastic yeah. films. Anyway, I bought a bunch of them and I packed them in my suitcase to Italy <laughs> and um, I didn't know what I was going to do with them exactly, but I was like, there's something here. Like I could use these. Yeah. And um, when I was in my studio up there, I had this dope little studio 
on an island. It was like a fairy tale. Like I took a boat to the studio <laughs> and it was on an island called Judeca and right off of Venice. And I had this studio that was closed off on all three sides. And then I like went looking in the alleys for like a piece of cardboard. I staple gun myself in and then shine colored lights inside. So it was like the ultimate fire safety hazard. Like I'm surprised I'm still alive to tell the tale. <laughs> oh my goodness. This sounds scary. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was like kind of excited. I feel like <laughs> I don't live on the edge. Kids, <laughs> or it's stupid. I don't know. Anyway, I wouldn't recommend this. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes to make the art, right? Yeah, that, that's how I feel. That's my driving force. Um, anyways, so then I, like, shined the lights on the model while I was inside of this tiny little fire safety hazard. Yeah. And it was such a trip, Candace, because, okay, like, you know color. When you're yeah. – if you're – say if you had, like, a tube of green paint or you had, like, a palette of all these colors, and yeah. then you go into a room, and the room – just has like a green light and a red light shining then all your colors look brown like it changed the color my colors changed I didn't even know what I was working with and it was like this trippy experience where my experience painting the thing was impacted by my strange social environment my strange environment that I created and the painting looked different because my model had these crazy colored lights on them and I was trying to like let my eyes adjust to this new reality and paint something but I didn't know what it looked like and then like the defining moment was when I took this painting stepped out of the studio into natural light and it was like like I saw like fluorescent lights shining in my eyes because you're like letting your eyes adjust to natural light and it looks insane right because color is relative yeah and then look at the painting I created and watch it transform because I didn't know what it looked like into this like what looked like this crazy electric colorscape thing so anyway my first thing that I made in there was called electric nude I called it electric nude I called this box the electric box and I was like, yes, this is the thing. Like, <laughs> like off to the races, let's go. Um, and I called my painting style at Forever After Electric Realism based on that experience. Um, and I think it's a good term to describe like what I've tried to do forever after, which is like use vibrant color to illustrate like an extra exuberant, fantastical, vibrant life and explore the social issues um, and social justice issues that I care about through like a lens of joy and exuberance um, through color. <laughs> That's such an amazing story. And I, something that really, I think I admire about it is like your, the freedom that you have with it, which I, I feel like people might assume is just like something that's natural to artists. Like obviously like they're free and they're experimenting and doing things, but it's like, even within that, there can be like, a lot of scariness about trying something new that hasn't been done before so what's kind of interesting is obviously this is something that worked out really well but like have you ever tried something or experimented and like came out and been like this is not what I wanted (laughs) um and if not you know how what is like your I guess your perspective when you're trying something new like are you very forgiving with yourself are you looking for something in particular Mm, great question I mean, I can't think of an example exactly where I tried something new and it was a failure, but I think that's more of a perspective than an actual scenario because, I mean, I remember all of the sad canvases that 
never made it to reality and never saw the light of day, right? Like, um, sometimes I'll work so hard. Yeah, sometimes I'll work so hard to create a concept and do a photo shoot and I'll like paint a model with gold paint and stick them on a pedestal and, you know, and then like that's an actual example and it never, (laughs) no one's ever seen that painting (laughs) because it didn't work. But I think it's all um, part of the process, which can be very difficult. when you're an artist who does art for a living because I think people want to rationalize like all right how how many hours did this painting take you and then let's divide that by the amount of money that you made so how much did you make and um I think I've had to just let that analytical part go and just trust the creative process which like you said I think there's a lot of um kind of bravery and brazenness that it is required to trust yourself enough to try things that may cost you some money and may never see the light of day and may not work but um in the end they're completely worth it so yeah. I think it's um yeah it's been a journey of just trusting myself enough to try stuff and knowing that failures are not failures they're just like things that will lead me to other things you know yeah definitely um yeah I think that's fantastic and thinking about like in that same vein of like trying things and like you know having like a story to tell which I know is like really important in your work um something that I think is awesome is how you've kind of like documented different things like your face series and actually kind of like interviewing your subjects along with like actually painting the portraits um so I would love to hear about kind of like what is your objective in that and have you found that like it helps you know the audience to be able to kind of see this behind the scenes aspect of your work too yeah yeah so Something that I've been doing forever is like, you know, like I said, I'm very interested in people and my art is really about, it's always about something. It's always like there's a story behind it. And I found myself earlier on in my art career getting kind of frustrated that I'd like be making this painting that was about like a loved one surviving cancer and like their journey of healing and people would look at the painting and say, Oh, that's so joyful. Like, I love the, you know, and, and I'm like, no, but there's so much more going on here. Um, and I also, how do I say this? Right. I, I went through a journey early on also trying to determine if I wanted to show my work in galleries or if I wanted to be self-represented. And a big part of why I decided to pursue this entrepreneurial path that I'm on is because my art is about something and I wanted to have the control um, over my own narrative. And I realized that if I really wanted my collectors and the people who saw my art to like, for it to serve its purpose, which is, which I think what I like my dream for my art is for that it, it be a conversation, right? Like I'm creating this piece so that you, the viewer, can have a conversation with it and speak back to it. And a lot of the decisions that I've made, um, be it posting all the time on social media, you know, like doing a Q&A Wednesday to help aspiring artists on my Instagram stories, creating films about the meaning behind my work, interviewing my models, is because like, yes, art is beautiful and I want to create beautiful images, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm trying to say things and 
and hear, you know, let it be something a little bit deeper. And the other reason that I'm creating films is because I'm very aware that art is a luxury good. You know, I mean, it takes me so long. I have to charge a lot of money for my pieces. So, uh, you know, essentially the 1% can afford to own these pieces and put them on their walls. And um, I love being a painter and I love making paintings, but I also would prefer that my paintings can be something that can be for everybody. And so I feel like when I create films that incorporate the beautiful art and, you know, you get this inside look where I'm talking to amazing models um, who are inspiring women and creating this whole experience, I want to bring people into it and not just like have it live. Like I create this painting and it lives in someone's home that's closed off that, no one ever, you know, really gets to enjoy it. Like, I, I want the art to be for everybody, I guess. Yeah, no, that really makes sense. And I like, I like how you said that because there's, it's very rare sometimes that you get to kind of see inside the artist's head a bit, or it is very easy to just take something at face value or even commercialize in a lot of senses and not be able to really delve into like the story behind it. Um, so yeah, I love that you have, these films here where it's like you can really take in like the meaning the intention behind it you know the subjects having their own voice and being able to like contextualize what you're viewing so you can appreciate it more um and I think that's awesome yeah thank you and I also want to say like this has been kind of on my mind a lot lately but I think there's something kind of radical about like not only showing your face as an artist and being so vulnerable about what your work is about um but like you know also creating content that's meant to really expose that because Mm -hmm. for for so long there's been this idea in the art world that like you have to maintain your mystique like i've had older Mm -hmm. artists who were like have been in the system like Mm -hmm. being like sarah you're you're doing it wrong like you know, you have to be a mysterious artist. No one gets to see or talk to you unless they've bought something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to hide behind your art, act like you're a little crazier than you really are. And yeah. that's not what I'm in it for. So I, I think that was that was also a very conscious decision of like, I'm not really into how the art world has been. And um, I, I'm not going to try and hide behind this um, this mystique. Like, I'm just going to be who I am and make the work that I want to make. And you can deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you know what? I, I'm always into a little bit of rule breakers in a sense too, but I, I love that you're doing that and taking ownership because at the same time, there's, we go into like industries and we think that there's a right way to do something. But at the same time, it's like art is always so inaccessible. And like you said, the artist is always so inaccessible. But, you know, when you ask yourself the question of why, it's like, is there a really really a reason for that you know like and what is the benefit um so I'm glad that you you know were able to tackle that and also be able to say you know that's not really where I see myself fitting in like that might work for someone else but not for me and what I'm trying to do yeah I love that you you said that word inaccessible I think that's it that hits the nail on the head yeah um So obviously you have amazing ideas, super talented, but we all know there is the flip side of being an artist. And that is obviously like the business aspect. Um, 
So I would love to know, you know, you have obviously been successful with having different shows and projects that you've worked on. Um, just to kind of in general, and I'll let you kind of like be as open or free as you would like to with this. Um, what would you say has been helpful for you to um, be able to reach, you know, successfully in a business sense? You know, was it having someone showing you the ropes? Was it just doing your own self-study? Like, what would you say would be something you could offer to another artist starting out? Yeah, um, my biggest thing I always say to artists starting out um, is, and this one probably won't surprise you, but like, (laughs) the rules don't, they're not real. (laughs) And um, there is literally no set way to be an artist. There's no right way to do it, um, which can be very scary, but could be very freeing. So the way that I started out was I moved home to San Diego after being in Boston was like, I'm going to try this thing. I'll try to be an artist. I had no connections in the art world. Um, I had no idea how to do it. I came from a school that was very um, old school academia where my professor, when I was like, they never taught us how to do art business. When I told a, asked a professor what he thought about me showing at art fairs, he like stopped in his tracks, looked me dead in the eye and said, Sarah, like graduating from undergrad in art and showing in art fairs is the equivalent of wanting to be an actor, moving to Hollywood and starring in a few pornos to get your start. <laughs> that was the art advice that I had to start out with. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> this is helpful. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And I, um, I just took on this attitude, like with the understanding, like I probably won't be able to make this work. This is an impossible career, but I'm going to try and why not put everything I have into it? So I really faked it till I made it. I, um, and talked to everybody, asked a lot of questions and created my whole opportunity, my own opportunities from the get go. So my first show was like, I didn't wait for a gallery to discover me. Like I find so many artists are like, how did you get your first gallery? Who discovered you? Who helped you? I'm like, literally no one. I found an ad on Craigslist for a coffee shop that was looking for art. I like met a band and was like, you guys want to play at my art show? And they were like, yeah, I figured out how to like fund and get wine at this coffee shop. We had a hundred people at a coffee shop art show. And like, I just, I probably printed out like fancy flyers, you know, like I just, I just made the thing happen. Um, And then from there, it it was sort of just more and more of the same of like putting myself in front of people, asking everybody for a meeting. You know, one time I was showing at an art fair, by the way, to that teacher and um, some random guy was like, hey, I'm, I'm doing a show in LA. Do you want to come up? It was super casual. It was in a hallway, like in Culver City. I drove all the way up to LA. Like, that's another thing. Like, any, when you're first starting out, like, there is no opportunity that's too small. And if you're open and talk to everybody, you're going to get something out of it. Even the failures. It's like the same philosophy that goes into making art that there is no failures and everything's opportunity for exploration is the same that the same attitude that I've taken into art business Mm -hmm. um anyway I went up to that hallway show in LA and ended up like 
just so happened that one of my dream galleries in LA, like the owner was like, Hey, I like this girl's work. So I'd heard about it later that this guy liked my work. I looked him up. I walked into the gallery the next day and was like, I hear you like my work. Hi, (laughs) like tell me how to be an artist. And he, he sat down with me and was like, yo, like your website has caricatures on it. Like, You know, like, he, he helped me. He taught me what an art series was, you know? And, like, yeah. we're still, you know, in touch a little bit. It's just, yeah. like, just an example for, like, any any situation can, you can make it work. And um, I jumped around to a lot of, like, storefront art studios to start where I was, like, really scrappy and would, like, walk into a place and be like, hey, if you give me a free place to paint, I'll ring your customers up. And, like, that worked. I did yeah. that in, like, two or three different spaces before I like finally started developing my own um, clientele a little bit and being able to like afford an art studio. But it was all like, I just, I don't know. I just believe so much that anything is possible. If you, if you don't follow the opportunities that are there for artists and you create your own. Um, And I've continued to do that throughout my, my whole career. I love that. Um, Because I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of, like creating art and then waiting for the big moment or waiting for the person to walk past and be like, Oh, that's really good. Um, so I love that idea of pursuing, like it, it takes effort to create the art and equally it should take as much effort to like go out and make those connections and create those Mm -hmm. opportunities. Um, in general, did you see, find that like meeting one person kind of led to the other or did you ever kind of like have those experiences where you felt like you were a little bit like at a snagging point and had to kind of like do research and find more opportunities or did things kind of just lead to each other yeah I I have like this idea in my head that like at least 50 percent of the things that I try are not going to work out um so like if you knew all the shit I was planning right now girl like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like it, I, I am trying so many different things that like yeah. I don't want them all to work out like it's yeah. too much and I'm expecting that most of them won't and if one of them works out like it'll be epic right so yeah, I, yeah absolutely things don't work out Th- things constantly don't work out and yeah. um it just goes back to that attitude of like what, what is that like where you you walk around ex- hoping to get shut down or like I, I don't know I like yeah. heard some podcasts they're like if you some guy was like I'm gonna ask people out on dates and like hope to get two no's a day right it's kind of yeah. like that like look for the no's and be stoked about the yeses I I love that I love that so much um yeah I'm gonna put that on my wall actually look for the no's <laughs> <laughs> <He's so trivial. laughs> um so this has been so amazing. Like before um, we close, is there anything else that you would like to share that you think has been like particularly useful to you or, um, you know, something that's just kind of happened or stood out in your career that you think could be helpful? Yeah. So I think I mentioned yesterday I had this conversation with an artist that I found really enlightening. This is, her name's Mishim. She's had her own gallery for 12 years, and she's very successful. And she said to me, Sarah, I think the difference between artists like us who are making it and artists who, don't, who aren't there yet is that there's like this bridge. There's like a point in your career or a point in your 
creativity where you have to cross over a bridge mm-hmm. and like fully commit to something. And I think people get stuck on the other side of the bridge. And then yeah. that's the point where people are complaining like, oh, it's so hard to make it, like blah, blah, blah. It's like there's fear in there. And I think if you really want to be an artist or pursue any creative or entrepreneurial path, like what does it hurt to fully commit? The worst that'll happen is you'll fail, but you'll mm-hmm. fail if you don't cross the bridge also. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I, I just loved that metaphor for yeah. that that's what it takes. It's like go all in and, um, and then, yeah, like, so what if you fail? That's, that's literally what, like, it's not. It's literally <laughs> exactly. Like there's, there's going to be ups and downs. It's part of it. It's like, if you're here and you're not crossing the bridge, nothing is definitely going to become of it. So if yeah. nothing becomes <laughs> of it, like you might as well have like gone all out and nothing becomes of it. Then to just Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like better to fail, like trying your ass off. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll have something to show for it. Like you'll, you'll learn and you'll grow and that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, this has been fantastic. I know that literally everyone is, going to obviously want to follow you and see your work if they haven't already um so where can they find you online yes thank you um follow me on instagram i'm very active there and i'm always happy to help artists or help artists and answer questions that's at sarah stiber which is um hopefully you can put it in the in the show notes but it's s-a-r-a-h-s-t-i-e-b-e-r i also during covid um built a whole new website i'm so proud of um that's sarahstiber.com and i've got all of my originals um for sale with payment plan options and total pricing transparency which has been a really cool like pivotal move for me um and i'm about to release my new jewelry line on there so please check it out i'm so excited it's gonna come out later this month um and yeah those are the main main spaces to get in touch with me that's awesome and um i cannot obviously leave without asking this have um have you still especially considering that you do work with portraits a lot have you been able to like keep creating with you know social distancing and everything or have you kind of like shifted your focus a little bit <laughs> um, I feel like we all have. <laughs> I'm laughing because, um, yeah. So when when COVID started, I'm like looking around right now at all of the paintings that I made, <laughs> and they're they're like of me because I was the only model that I had, <laughs> and I moved my studio into my living room. Awesome. So I've been I've been working from home since COVID started and have just been yeah I mean I've still been creating like crazy but the content has has just been more creative and and sometimes I feel like artistically it can be really nice to have constraints creatively it like makes you more creative yeah like to have rules like that um but I am really excited to paint people that aren't me for crying out loud so Definitely. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to um you know creating doing some more shoots and we do have a photo shoot scheduled for when the jewelry launches and I have this awesome model um who's going to be modeling my jewelry and I'm like fingers crossed I can get some reference images for paintings you know keep keep painting other people please (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sick of myself (laughs) 
That is so awesome. And yeah, I was like, that's probably, that's probably been a little, a little bit of a challenge, but I'm sure that they are just as awesome and lovely as all your other portraits. So yeah, you know, if you throw a wig on and put on some sunglasses, (laughs) nobody even knows. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, who was this? You know, just someone, just someone I found. Yeah, exactly. I have a lot of wigs and a lot of sunglasses. So there's... There's no end to how many versions of myself incognito I can put in paintings if I have to, if the global pandemic continues. Exactly, exactly. Well, that is awesome. And Sarah, thank you so much. Like, this has been a joy. And I wish we could be here like six more hours. Um, But this has been really, really awesome. And I can't wait to see what else you create. Thank you, Candice. It's been so nice talking to you. You're a wonderful interviewer. It was so nice to have the opportunity. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) Awesome. You've been listening to Meraki Mentors Podcast with Candice Howes. We're honored you chose to spend your time with us today. To learn more about today's guest or the podcast, visit MerakiMentorsPodcast.com. Don't forget to create and connect.